It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we're going to talk a little bit of draft with Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report and, of course, the Badlands podcast over on Patreon. Connor, thanks so much for coming back on, buddy. Of course, Scott. Always good talking to you. Always good to talk a little, uh, now I would say, late fall draft. I'm telling you, it's getting (laughs) closer and closer. So all the people that are like, ah, it's too early for draft with with the 0-9 Jets, I think it's the perfect time. With the Jets, it's never too early for draft. I've made Pretty a career deep. out of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Pretty much. So let's talk about the big news here, which is that J.C. Horn has declared for the 2021 draft. This is a guy I've had my eye on for a while, and I think he's slowly but surely establishing himself, if not the best corner in this draft, certainly right at the top. He can do a little bit of everything. He's got the ideal size, instincts. Pedigree is great because he's Joe Horn's son. Tell me about where you see him slotted right now. Any chance that the Jets might have a shot at him with that Seattle pick? I actually think that's a sweet spot. So I'm glad you brought him up, Scott. This has been the biggest riser for me at corner this year. Uh, you know, a lot of people I saw were just flooding the mentions of him, you know, saying he quit. I, I don't. I don't agree. I think there is a, a tough public health situation in college football right now. I was talking to you on off air about how many games are getting canceled. You know, he's not playing for a national title at his school right now. There's been a lot of uh, changes at that school. So I, I don't blame him for stepping away at this time with the way he has played this year. And I think when you look at J.C. Horn, the player, he, you know, he's six foot one. He's got good length. He is very physical. He will play right up in your face and stay in your hip pocket all the way down the field. And then he looks to make a play on the football. So this is somebody that finishes plays. If you want to see an example of it, turn on the Auburn game. Uh, he went up against a very good big-bodied wide receiver in Seth Williams, and Bo Nix kept targeting him, and it did not go very well for Bo Nix. You know, Horn came away with, I believe, four passes defended, a couple interceptions. Uh, he's a physical player, and he'll let you know that he's a physical player. And I, I like guys that set the tone like that on the outside. I really do. So when you look at Horn, I have him at the end of round one. Now, what's going to help him, in my opinion, is I don't think he'll go before a guy like Caleb Farley that uh, opted out in August or or maybe even a guy like, uh, you know, Patrick Sertain II. Uh, you know, I think those guys can go before him. But Sean Wade has not played very good for Ohio State. And Wade had a lot of questions coming in, being a projected first-round pick. The questions were, how will he fare when he plays outside of the slot? How will he play? You know, is he an outside corner? The measurables are there. The athleticism is there, but it has not gone well, in my opinion, on the field. So I think J.C. Horn could be the the second or third or cornerback off the board in this draft. And even if he is the fourth or fifth cornerback off the board in this draft, I think that's still in round one because this is a very, very good top-heavy corner class. So you you look at J.C. Horn, he's my kind of corner. 
Uh, I think he'll end up being easily a top three corner for me in this class and somebody that uh, I did not have top 30 expectations for coming into the season. I actually liked his teammate a little bit better at the time, uh, Izzy Mukamama, and he, he left school as well, but uh, he has played way better than him. And I'm a big, big fan of Horn's game right now. And I think he's a perfect fit for the Jets. You know, if they're looking for a physical man press coverage kind of corner in round one, and, and Joe Douglas has drafted those guys in the past. So I think it's a, it's a name that Jets fans need to know right now. Connor, let's talk a little quarterback. This is something that's going to be very important for the Jets going forward. Now, Fields and Lawrence didn't play this past week. They are going to play this week, so we'll get to that a little bit later when we preview the upcoming matchups. But Mac Jones is somebody who started to get some first-round buzz. He didn't play last week, but I know Mel Kuyper and some others have said that he might be a first-round possibility. Trask did really well this past week. His stock seems to be rising. So where do we sit with those guys, and is it possible that we could see five or six quarterbacks go in round one? You could definitely see it, right? Now, just because I don't have those guys in round one does not mean that they won't go in round one. This happens year after year. It's quite simple as that at a premium position like quarterback. Now, I am not on the Mac Jones hype train like as a round one player, as Mel Kuyper and who, you know guys you've mentioned, McShay. And I've seen a lot of it. It's, it's been across the board. I don't think he's a round one quarterback. I don't think he has necessarily the physical tools I look for in this era for a round one quarterback. I don't think the mobility is there. I think the touch on the deep ball has been good. I think it's been exaggerated. I've seen a lot of people say is the best deep ball in this class. I don't think it's a top three deep ball in this class. I would put Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and, and Zach Wilson ahead of him in that category. And I think a lot of people are starting to sleep on how good Trey Lance is and the ceiling that exists for Trey Lance just because he didn't play this year, only one game. So Sure, we could see five or six quarterbacks go in this draft. Listen, a lot of teams need quarterbacks uh, that aren't picking in the top five, right? We know there's a good chance the Jets take one. There's a good chance Washingtonville, uh, Washington, ja uh, Jacksonville, you know, maybe even the Giants. It's going to be very interesting to see what the Giants do. Maybe Atlanta looks for the guy after Matt Ryan. Uh, but those teams are projected to pick very high. Then you have teams that have gotten a couple wins and have played themselves out of that top five. You have a team like Denver. We don't know what they think of Drew Locke. We have a team like New England that Cam Newton's on a one-year deal. Jared Stidham is not the future there, no matter who tells you that. He, he's not. He never has been. They don't view him like that. So there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. So I, I think six guys can go in round one. I think it would be a reach, but teams reach on quarterbacks every single year. So you know the guys that, that look like actual round one players at the position to me are Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. And Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask is a guy of a QB five and a top 50 player. And while, you know, the physical profile might not wow you all the time, he's played very, very well and has a good feel in the pocket that's getting better where I could see why a team would take him at the end of round one and say, let's do it. And I think the same thing could happen to Mac Jones, but I'm not counting on it right now. Let's talk offensive skill positions beyond the quarterback. Some risers this past week. One of them was Ty Freifogel, the wide receiver from Indiana. 200 receiving yards, big performance against Michigan State. What did you see from him, and who were some of the other guys that were driving their stock up the board this past week? Well, a physical profile, right? You look at a guy like that that can win the ball over cornerbacks, that can be a go-up-and-win-the-football kind of player in an offense that quite simply doesn't always have those kind of guys. I think that's what jumps out there. This class is intriguing to me at wide receiver, Scott, because you have guys like that that are big-bodied players, that are physical players. Seth Williams falls into that category. 
you know, there's there's so many different players that are big body targets, even at small schools in that category. And you have a lot of smaller players that are four four, sub four four kind of guys, whether it's Kadarius Tony from Florida, and these guys are all around five nine. Rondell Moore is another player in that category out of Purdue. Uh, I mean, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, even the guy like Dwayne Eskridge, you know, on Western Michigan, who is going to run a four three five in this draft, who can absolutely fly and is starting to have some big performances. So th- these are guys that have all really shot up the board this year. They continue to every week. I think Tony is somebody that, you know, ha- has been at Florida for a while and it's never all come together because the offense hasn't allowed it to. And now it's an offense that looks great, and, and he's the guy that is kind of the key cog along with Kyle Pitts and Kyle Trask. But he's so explosive out of the slot. He can win downfield. He can make him miss underneath. So it, the story to me of risers, when you say stock up guys, it continues to be this wide receiver class over and over again. What about running back? Who helped and hurt their stock this past week? And talk to me a little bit about Kenny Gainwell from Memphis. I've been watching a lot of his tape. Intriguing prospect to me because he played a couple of games as a pure freshman. Then he redshirted the rest of the way. Played one year as a redshirt last year. Was very dynamic. Speed for days. And then this year, he ended up taking the year off because of coronavirus. He said that he's going to be preparing for the NFL draft. So only one year of real collegiate experience, but extremely explosive. Somebody that could be very interesting for the Jets who desperately need more speed on the offense. Yeah, so when you look at Gainwell, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, maybe master-of-none kind of player. And that's not a knock on him. It's just that... He's not going to get the credit for the speed that Travis Etienne at Clemson has. He's not going to get credit for the power and that six foot three, 230 pound frame that Najee Harris has. And those are the two best running backs in this class. But what Gainwell can do well is he can be a good pass catcher. He can be an outside and inside runner with good vision that gets what you give him. He's somebody that has enough burst to get away from tacklers on the outside. So I think when you look at Gainwell, he's one of those guys, you know, almost a souped up LaMichael Pirine. Now, some people might not want to hear that, but that's, that's not an insult to him. It's that Pirine came out of school with a lot of experience, a lot of production, uh, but no really traits that wowed you, which is why I kind of questioned that pick in the fourth round, because I felt like the Jets, you know, need to start really banking on athleticism at the running back position. And I think Gainwell is somebody that will go higher than Pirine. You're probably looking at the third round for him. Because he simply does a lot of different things better, and you really like him as a third down back right away, but also somebody that has three down potential. Now, when you look at this running back class, it's an interesting one, right? I said Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. Chuba Hubbard is a stock down guy. He simply has not had the year a lot of people expected him to when he came back for his senior year. I think when you look at Kylan Hill, I, he's not stock down for me, but across the board, I think people are looking at him you know, walking away from school and and not having that really, really big final season people had hoped for. I still really like the player. I think he's one of the best running backs in this class. I think he's a very talented pass catcher as well. Uh, He does a lot of similar things that Alvin Kamara did coming out of Tennessee, which has to really excite you. And then the big riser across the board has to be Javante Williams, uh, you know, when from UNC, somebody that is in his junior season, And it's just all clicking. I mean, in eight games, almost 900 rushing yards, over seven yards of carry, already 15 touchdowns, uh, you know, already 250 receiving yards. He's somebody that should finish with easily over a thousand yards. I mean, he could finish with a thousand yards after one more game. So he's somebody that everybody's probably looking at that thick frame, 220 pounds, uh, a lot of muscle, a lot of burst. 
as somebody that is definitely in the group of a riser in this class. And it, like the receiver class, this is a really, really good uh, running back class. Now, some of the best guys in the country that people are going to ask about just simply, you know, they're not draft eligible yet. You look at Brees Hall at Iowa State, uh, you know, he, he's, I believe, leading the country in rushing yards, the only guy over the 1,000 mark yet. Kyron Williams for, on a very, very good Notre Dame team, uh, a physical, physical runner. So, uh, you know, those guys, we're going to have to wait a little bit more. And the same could be said for Isaiah Spiller at Texas A&M. They're underclassmen. Uh, their time will come. But, man, there are a lot of talented backs at the top of this class where the New York Jets should absolutely find a starter at the position in the first three rounds. And they got the ammo to do so. How about offensive line? Connor, we know that the interior of the O-line this year has been shaky. Van Roten has played pretty well the last couple of weeks, but Lewis has been terrible. McGovern hasn't looked so great. Maybe McGovern could be shifted over to guard. And if that's the case, maybe somebody like Trey Smith comes in here and takes over at center. Seems like his stock is going up. Who else is rising their stock and who else is starting to plummet? Yeah, so I haven't seen a lot of guys disappoint at the offensive line position so far this year. And maybe that's something that'll, you know, come to fruition when you start to dig into more All-22 tape, which really just began for me uh, this year's All-22, you know, in the last couple of weeks. I saw last year's over the summer. Now, when you look at the interior offensive line, Creed Humphrey is the reliable guy you want at center out of Oklahoma. He's been very, very impressive, and he kind of fits the Joe Douglas mold of a bruiser in the run game, a guy that'll knock you backwards and simply just overpower you. And, you know, you go back to McGovern's struggles. I think it's quite, quite simply, Scott, when you're on a group that is really poor across the board, right? He's the center playing next to two, what I would consider two of the worst starting guards in football. And I know everybody's saying Ben Rotten's starting to put it together the last two weeks. I'm sorry, but that just doesn't mean anything to me. He, he was maybe the worst guard in the league the first couple of weeks of the season and didn't get much better until the last two weeks where, yes, they deserve the benefit of the doubt of continuity. I just don't think he's a player that you want out there starting at goal going into next season maybe he's a guy you can try to keep around as a backup with the amount of injuries at the position but I think when you look at this Trey Smith is obviously you know one of the more talented players I've seen at guard uh, since Quentin Nelson now the problem with Trey is always going to be that he did have some health issues early in his career blood clots that kind of cost him a season a couple of years ago at Tennessee NFL teams are going to monitor that very, very closely. But you want to talk about a powerhouse guard uh, that can simply – I mean, if you put this guy next to Mekhi Becton, it would quite simply be the le best left-side run-blocking duo in football. And I'm I'm 100% serious. I really do mean that. That's how talented he is in the run game. Wyatt Davis from Ohio State is somebody that people need to get familiar with as a round one player. Super clean pass protector, uh, very smooth mover uh, in the run game as well. He should be a round one player, should be a top 20 pick, to be honest with you. He's somebody that, you know, people need to be familiar with for the Seattle pick because of how clean of a prospect he is. And then you look at one that has had a really nice rise this year is Deontay Brown at Alabama, a really good drive blocker. He's going to the senior bowl, had to serve a suspension at Alabama, which kind of hurt his stock early on. And now he's back and he's put it all together this year. He has good tape against Derek Brown who got drafted in the top 10. So that's going to help him a lot. He's looked very, very good this year. So Deontay Brown is somebody that might be had in the second or third round because of some previous character concerns, but it seems like he's trending in the right direction and it might be a value play at guard. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
Connor, let's talk edge rusher because if I were a betting man and if I were a betting man, I would go over to my bookie and place this wager. I would say that the Jets are going to do something at edge rusher, whether it's in free agency, the draft or both. So if you want to bet on that or anything else, go over to my bookie, use the promo code overtime and you can get yourself matched up to a thousand bucks halfway on your first deposit. So if you put in two hundred bucks, they'll match you a hundred. You put in a thousand, they'll match you five hundred. That's the max. You can bet on the full slate of games this weekend in college football, which we're going to talk about later, and the NFL plus MMA, boxing, anything else you want. It's all over at my bookie. Just use the promo code overtime, and you'll get your first deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. And like I said, I would bet on the Jets making an investment at edge. And you could make an investment early in the draft. We've talked about Quincy Roche in the past. There are some other guys in this class that are interesting that seem to be trending upwards. Sanders, the edge rusher out of Cincinnati, playing very, very well. Eight and a half tackles for a loss, five sacks, three quarterback hurries. I'm not so sure that he's a day one or day two prospect, but could be a bargain later on. Who's trending upward and who's trending downward at edge? Well, it's Quiddy Pay. He's the guy that everybody, you know, had expectations for coming into the season to hopefully put it together. And I mean, a freakish athletic profile, honestly, I truly mean that just an athletic profile that's special. And, and now it is all coming together in his senior season. He's been phenomenal. He is a very, very athletic, really good first step, really good job of keeping blockers hands off of him and somebody that can s- simply get after it on the edge can simply read the run and react very well. Uh, Quiddy Pay is the guy that has played himself into the first round in my eyes. I thought this was not a good edge class coming into the season, and it's it's trended upward. So I think that's something that's that's very very exciting. Now, when you look at you know somebody that his stock might be going down in a sense, which is I hate saying this just because the guy hasn't played, but you have to wonder how our team's going to value Gregory Rousseau. And the reason I say that is I know he's a talented player, but he's a bit of a tweener, right? He's a big edge at six foot seven, probably going to weigh 260 plus pounds at the combine. We did not get to see him play this year. Uh, And now I'm saying he was somebody projected to go in the top 10 before the season. I don't know if that's going to happen now while his two teammates, two transfers are balling out at Miami. You brought up Quincy Roche. So I don't have to go down that road. I think I've done so on your show before. But Jalen Phillips across from him is somebody that was supposed to be the next Miles Garrett when he got to UCLA. That's the kind of talent this guy had. It did not work out at UCLA. He needed to get away from football and then transfer to Miami, takes the year off, got his body right, got his mind right, and he's a menace. And just because you look at the box score and the numbers don't always pop out, he's a game wrecker. He's setting up sacks for other guys. He's beating double teams. He's drawing double teams. Uh, He stops the run. He redirects the run. So Jalen Phillips is somebody that is absolutely on the rise right now. Connor, full slate of games this weekend, but there are some that have been postponed and or canceled. So I'm going to run through those really fast. Ole Miss versus Texas A&M, Georgia Tech versus Miami, Charlotte versus Marshall, Wake Forest versus Duke, Houston at SMU. UL Monroe versus Louisiana Tech, Navy at South Florida, and Arizona State at Colorado all have been postponed or canceled, but still plenty of really interesting matchups. Which ones should we be paying particularly close attention to this weekend, and which players should we really have our eye on? Well, for me, it's the quarterbacks again, right? It's the time to watch a quarterback class that is very, very talented. And it it is tough to keep up with all of these games being canceled. It's, you know, obviously a shame with what's going on 
Uh, you know, if you're looking, uh, if you're looking for the return of Trevor Lawrence, absolutely destroying Florida State, I would get ready for that. I would expect that. I think that's on the table. You'd see Kyle Trask against Vanderbilt. Um, you know, I think the most important one now is Justin Fields against an undefeated, very, very good Indiana team. And everybody wants to see Justin Fields in another big game. There it is. This is a very, very big game Saturday at noon. So it's the quarterback storyline for me. I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to see how this shakes out. If you want to get away from the quarterbacks for a game, uh, you know, you, you do have Minnesota playing, I, I believe, on Friday again. They've been drawing these Friday games. Uh, Rashad Bateman is, you know, the guy. I, I love what Rashad Bateman can do on the field. They're a bad team with a bad quarterback, but he's still getting it done. So, you know, while the, while the schedule dwindles, I still think there's some, some meat on the table there to have. No question about it. Keep your eye on that Ohio State-Indiana game. That's national on Fox at 12 noon Eastern time. Justin Fields going up against his biggest challenge this season so far. He's only played three games. This is the fourth one, but a good opportunity to see him against a tough team. Connor Rogers of Bleacher Report and the Badlands podcast over on Patreon. Thanks so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. We'll talk more draft coming up soon. But in the meantime, you've got plenty that you're working on, especially over on the Badlands feed. For anybody that hasn't subscribed yet, go ahead and tell them why they should. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you like what you listen to today, it's a lot of draft content. It's a lot of off-season talk. It's a lot of coaching search talk with a lot of great guests. You had Bob Bushusen on last week, and uh, you know it's going to continue to get that way where we have written content, audio content, maybe some video content. So uh, it's been really exciting, and, and in my opinion, it is far and away the best Jets you know, regular season, but most importantly, off-season content that you can get out there. No question about it. Off-season content is going to be something that all Jets fans will look forward to this season. Unfortunately, it's something that most seasons we've been looking forward to. And hopefully, if they have a really good off-season this year, it will change that trend. And people will be looking more forward to the actual games than the off-season shenanigans. But if you want to hear everything that's going on with the draft and free agency and all that, of course, we'll have it for you here on Play Like a Jet. And Joe and Connor will be doing a great job for you all throughout the rest of this season and then well into the off-season on the Badlands Patreon. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com. 